0: Welcome to the Adult Candy Podcast. I'm Miss Crystal, your host and idea slinger. What is Adult Candy about? Well, it's dedicated to cultivating creativity and sensuality in adults, which, let's be honest, is what we all want more of anyway. This exploration of mindful indulgence is in conversations with a very delicious mix of rebels, noted creatives and sex positive advocates of an imaginative variety. We dig into process and tools for facing fears and chasing dreams and keeping the magic in running the business of Creative Sexy Cool. While this is absolutely going to be explicit with adult content and bursting with very sexy, the mission here is about embracing and accepting pleasure and desire, which is an internal process And that is the foundation for any type of meaningful intimacy, passion, or sexual prowess. So buckle up or unbuckle or buckle down, because in these very bizarro times, we absolutely can't go back. We go through. Uh, For me, many moons was just uh, the amount of gratitude that I have for, um, the work that you did for the community and um, the the sacrifice. I mean, I just, you know, you know, a book every six months as a collaborative effort, you know, that is not, <laughs> that is a big um, mountain to climb. Um, and uh, I just kind of want to dive into the nature of, you know, um, here, you know, what we're discussing is uh, cultivating creativity and sensuality for adults, and, uh, you know, the conversations that I'm having are with people who have managed to uh, carve out a creative and sensual life for themselves uh, outside of societal dictating the shame and, you know, the, the isolation or, you know, the, um, all of the stigma. Right, um, so uh, it's totally a journey, and you know I'm just I'm just so interested in how not only you got to this place of you know free finding that path, but really how you sustain it, right? Because you know it's it's when you become a creative for a living, um, you know there's a whole other world of like being a business person as a creative, and also how you nourish yourself as a creative just for being a creative, or being a sensual person just for being a sensual person, and then teaching it, and then, you know, living it and driving it and turning it into this thing that makes you money, and it's great, but it's also, there's conflict there, and the negotiation of that, and so all those fun things. So tell yeah. me all of it. Yeah, I
1: mean- <laughs> Everything you're talking about is, you're literally just describing, I'm laughing, as you were speaking, you know, people can't see me, but uh, I was sort of smirking and snarfing and laughing because these are all the questions that creative people have, will always have, will always have to grapple with, will always have to like contest, resist, be challenged by, work their way through try a different way take a break from and i don't really like see it changing and i also think that what so like just to put into context right i'm 39 years old and when i was young when i was a teen and i wanted to be some kind of creative some kind of artist the like social media like the the proliferation of certain kinds of the internet certain types of internet did not exist And in a lot of ways, that was really beautiful because we could gestate and we could, in a lot of ways, I'm finding myself now as an adult kind of mourning the teen process where so much of it is about being alone in your room at midnight with like a record on and just doing whatever, you know, unconsciously, not caring, not being self-conscious or reflexive um, getting to collaborate with other people, like it's about the process and all this stuff. And I'm really actually part of my, <laughs> it's so funny because for the, the new moon is, uh, this weekend and that this lunation and through the spring is actually for me going to be all about really focusing on healing my creative process, a practice that is just for me and not like for anybody Consumption. else. Consumption um, for consumption and what does that look like? And, and, you know, a lot of the work, um, you you know, when you were talking about sensuality and pleasure, a lot of what has, um, I guess, scarred me or impacted me in ways I didn't realize were for me, um, there's a weird dichotomy for me personally with the work, that I do being um, the most consumed Mm. because I, because I do a a variety of different kinds of creative work. The work that I do being most consumed is in general, the work that is of a result of some kind of psychic transmission or download. Mm. And that was really difficult for me to grapple with Um, having messages Receiving messages, channeling messages, downloading messages that weren't necessarily from me, but I was the receptacle in the vessel. And so I found a way to transmit that. And then having it be out in the world. Well, and then like the medium was me. And so the medium is has ADD. The medium has dyslexia. The medium didn't want to be a writer. The medium like wasn't planning on doing any work like this ever. Having that trend then that translation, the medium was editing, designing, self-publishing, distributing, getting emails that were like one day someone saying this work has helped me so much. And the next day, like someone saying, like, you should fucking die. Like, you're a fucking monster, you know? Like, I can't believe you could ever do this. Like, you're a mess. How dare you put this work out? And some people then one day will be like, I I got to leave my abusive job. Thank you. And now it's, you know, it was such a I, – I had never experienced anything like that. Um, And so I almost feel like my future self in that particular – project was protecting me by my, um, intuition always said, my, my helpers always said, well, you're, you're just going to do this for three years. And I was like, okay. And I almost, because at that point I was, I really needed a break to process all of this. And as I, I'm speaking to you, Crystal, I am highly aware that I sound very outside of society and what I, why I'm saying that is because there's not. I don't really have a lot of people that I can talk to, to relate to this specific quandary. Mm. I have a lot of friends who are psychics and healers, and and we. And luckily, I've been able to talk with them um, about this kind of stuff. But in general, you know, I think it's similar to other people, other creative people's process, because I think that in a lot of ways, art is channeling. Like, on some level, art is a creative expression that is intangible, that is that has delivered itself to us or that has come deep inside of us from our inner wisdom, from our spirit, from our soul, whether it's a song or a cartoon or, or anything. Um, I, I firmly believe that, right? But there was that little twist where I was like, there was some cognitive dissonance going on that, you know, I think I have to do more processing and writing and, and figuring out because that was a bit trippy. <laughs>
0: <clears throat> How did you, I mean, because that, that brings up a very interesting point, right? Which is like, you know, it's not like it it just sort of naturally evolved into like, oh yes, well maybe I should, you know, I've been doing this journaling and it looks like this and now I should just make a book. But it's like, you just, you know, directly got handed, hey, this is what you're going to do and it's totally outside your wheelhouse and you know how did you you know what were some of the things that you did to uh invest in yourself in saying i'm totally capable of this even though it's not what i think i can do and you know keep reaching for this intangible thing and trusting that you are meant to do this and you're going to do it and it's going to work out and it's, it is who you are. Right.
1: I think that in this, we're talking, so like just to really be specific again, we're talking about these many moons workbooks that were like a specific project that were six books over a period of three years that I put out, um, that were guidance with helping folks through cycles of life through their own cycles, helping them manifest, helping them focus, helping them heal. Like that was sort of the, that was the intention at least of the project. Um, I think quite frankly, it was because the messages about it were just so strong. uh, They were irrefutable. I mean, I'm also someone who will obey very strong, like intuitive downloads or channels. Like I, I moved to California from Oregon, Quite. I mean, again, this all sounds very. I I understand it sounds one really privileged, um, and two uh, a bit bizarre. But like you know, I made a move based on downloads. You know, I've done I've left jobs. Like I've done things that on the surface don't look practical um, because of this strong connection with my guides and the spirit. The second part of it was the beginning uh the beginning books like the first like four books were literally just like handed to me and what I mean by that is I would just sit down and they would come in like channeling is you just like get out of the way it happens a lot in my readings and tarot readings for people like the spirits knock on the door and I'm like okay I'm just here to kind of transmute information oh, so I would sit down and then three hours later would be, that it, was, it would be finished, you know, or it would be like a completed transmission, you know, or like, I would be in my car, and I would get the message, hey, you're going to talk about this today, did it, I'd have to pull over, put it in my notes app, like, be like, okay, cool, like, can you come back when I'm back <laughs> ready to write, and it's like, yes. So it was so, um, and the other thing they would do is they would give me specific guidance, in the way that I was to write. So in the way in the process, so like before a book would begin, I would get a message from spirit and one would be like, okay, this time you're going to go away for five days. One was like this time you're going to rest. You're just going to rest. And I was like, "That doesn't make any sense. I have to write like a book in two and a half months. And, <laughs> and they would say, no, no, you have to rest. And when I would rest, or you know, meditate or lay down, I would get all of the information and I'd have to like pop up. Or another time they were like, You need to get out. You need to go out. You need to like go in different places, uh, be around artists, like go to lectures, go to movies, and I'd be like sitting in like a random movie and all of a sudden I'd be like, Oh, whether it was the movie inspiring me or I don't know, or they were just trying to get me out of the house, I (laughs) but, you know, and so every time it would be different. Um, and it would just, so I think that was just sort of like, well, it's here. So I just, ha- I just have to be the worker bee, like carrying it out. I have to be the ant like carrying it on my back. Um, it was all there. Like it was like there already. Um, and then I sort of the last book, I knew it was going to be the last book. So I didn't really call in any guidance and my task for myself was to really like I was like okay well I'm not a writer uh I've never invested time and energy on writing so I'm this is what this you talked about investment Mm -hmm. is the gift I'm gonna give myself I'm gonna invest in trying to be the best writer like I can be um without like in quote like training wheels (laughs) like I'm just gonna like what do I have to say about grief what do I have to say about death what do I have to say about mourning or you know appropriation or whatever, um, so that I could feel a bit more like the author of this project Mm. Um, because it was a bit disassociated where I'm like, well, it's not mine. So I shouldn't like take money for it or it's not mine. So, but it was me, like it was me. And I had to kind of like integrate the, the, the right brain, left brain kind of stuff.
0: Have you always been extremely intuitive? Um, how is that sort of manifested to get to this point of just like really getting extremely clear downloads. Because I think, you know, we all get a lot of intuitions, but, you know, um, inherently, we're like, but that doesn't make any sense. Or, oh, yeah, that's good. I'll I'll get to that. But, you know, we always talk ourselves out of clear inspiration and, you know, these cre- clear creative channels. Um, how has how has that been different for you in your experience?
1: I think a lot of folks who call themselves, who identify as being intuitive or psychic, I use psychic um, for the most part, but interchangeably with intuitive. One, like we all are, like we all are. And that's actually part of my work is that we all can access this energy I particularly, in case you haven't noticed, like working with the moon. <laughs> and everyone has that availability, right? Like any gender, any background, any you know religion, whatever, like you can tap into that energy. But there are, I teach a class called elemental. I teach two classes. One is about the moon and working with the moon specifically. And one is uh, elemental intuition, like accessing our intuition through the different elements, right? Um, I think anyone who identifies that way will probably say that like, one, it's been painful, like it's been really painful. Um, Two, there's usually a period of that resistance like you were talking about, Crystal. Wait, no, like, wait, did I, no.
0: That doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, right, like, or, or they'll have that, um, there's so many words for it in our culture, there's, like, deja, deja vu, mm-hmm. there's, um, that, like, hindsight is twenty twenty. they say, but it's also about, like, you're like, I, I knew I had a weird feeling about that, you know, Aunt Betty's boyfriend, or, you know, you're like, and then you find out, or, you know, it's that spidey sense, people yeah. call it, it's that gut, where you're, like, walk into a room, and you can tell maybe there's just been a fight there or something, but you don't know, like, you know, something feels strange and you don't know why or, you know, all of these different, we're always receiving into uh, intuitive information and it all kind of just depends on our specific proclivity. So like I always tell people, like in my class I teach, you know, if you're someone who loves music, then maybe you're clairaudient. And maybe it's not that you hear voices. Maybe it's the way messages come through to you is through sound or through lyrics in a song that you notice, you know? Because I always say, like, notice what you're noticing or notice what pops up to you that that's a form of intuition as well. It's not just always these sort of like, cause like, so for example, I, I, I very rarely can like see images in my quote third eye. That's not really how I get my information. And for years, I thought that meant I wasn't intuitive because I thought there was only this like one way it has to look it like to, this, you know, and there's like about 9 million different ways. So I'm kind of taking it long here. So I'm going to, you know, tighten it <laughs> back up here I spent a really long time just, like, thinking I was just a total outcast freak, you know? Um, And I stuffed it down a lot. And what had to happen at a certain point was that I had to just find an outlet for it, or else I think I was just going to be really depressed, Uh, and so luckily for me, I was able to find the outlet of tarot reading, Mm -hmm. uh, one, uh, it's acceptable to be intuitive within the bucket of a tarot reading. Right. So that really helped my energetic boundaries where it was kind of like hands on, hands off, like antenna up, antenna on where like, I had this container, like, Mm -hmm. no, you know, I have this container to channel the specific, uh, energy that was, so it wouldn't be that I was in the grocery store, like (laughs) picking up orange and then being like, like, that's not like, because that can happen. And then you get blown out and you get exhausted and your emotions aren't yours. And you start to feel like you're, it's very talk about dissociate I mean, it's very, very uh, ungrounding. And just, like, learning really, really, really good energetic hygiene. But, you know, really making it a practice. And I think that's something that folks have to do uh, all the time. Sensitive folks. um, People who don't identify as sensitive. uh, People who work with a lot of people. um, You know, as, as certain, like, if they work in a store or if they see a lot of clients or you know I mean really anyone right because we're almost unless you're living in like a cabin in the woods it's very rare that you uh aren't sort of dealing with people on some level and the internet I would argue is another form of energetic exchange right? totally so um yeah so so for me it was not um it was painful uh it uh there's a lot of ancestral healing i have to do around it um in the sense of people in my family line were intuitive and then they got punished for it and i think that's another collective theme we have i was literally i'm bringing this up just because it just happened last night i was in a at a like i was at believe it or not believe it or not i was at an astrology lecture last night <laughs> and they were talking about Pisces and because it's Pisces season and Pisces is very intuitive and psychic uh as an archetype and 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 a woman in their group just said well you know a lot of people who are psychics or say they're psychics also claim to be this and they also exploit people and take advantage of people and charge a lot of money and um, you know, aren't real? Can you tell that from someone's astrological chart? Like that was the question. Wow! And I and I was really floored by the levels of um, stigma that exist around something that, literally, in my humble opinion, every single person. Has access to on some level it's almost like when you say that folks who are intuitive or psychic or tarot readers or Reiki practitioners or whatever it is when you say they're like exploiting people and taking advantage of people you're really um, you're adding to the stigma of intuition or psychicness or healing ability uh, being something that's negative right? Like, and it's not negative. And I'm not saying that there aren't practitioners who don't take advantage of people, but I know, because there are, but I know practitioners in every field, whether it's mecha- a car right. mechanic or a teacher or a social worker or a banker who take advantage right. and who like thieve and lie and betray. Of course, witches do that. Of course, psychics do that. And also- All know, human and-
0: beings. Yeah. every
1: human being, you know. So it's it's it, it's I think there's all these levels and layers that we deal with when we're putting ourselves out there as saying we're intuitive and for many years I didn't say it at all. Right. At all, you know, um because there's just a lot attached to that. You know, people are like, "Oh, can you tell me, you know, how many kids I'm going to have?" or, you know, <laughs> there's all these different uh expectations and 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 layers to it and and assumptions and I, you know, I think I just didn't,
0: I think I just didn't want to deal with all of that. Um, speaking of, we are now in what I kind of, I'm seeing as kind of like a, like a witch's renaissance sort of thing where it's just like all of a sudden, you know, and you, you can kind of be like, oh, well now it's mainstream and it's ruined or whatever, you know, like burning man. Um, but there is something so incredibly amazing about, you know, being able to say in public, you know, I'm a socialist or I am a, I am a witch and, um, you know, I'm an intuitive, I'm a healer, I'm, you know, I, I'm i an artist and I would like to get paid, please. You know, just this complete shift in allowing space for the mainstream to even acknowledge what, you know, people have died for um, and, are,
1: and, are still being and are
0: still being persecuted. So um, how do you, um, like, how do you manage that in your own head in terms of, you know, being grateful for something and being present for it and also negotiating, you know, That now that you can actually say it, all of the more meaning and all that, the, the more connotation that is in developing community and developing responsible community, right? Because now it's not just like, oh, well, it's, you know, the psychic tarot hotline reader, you know, and that there's, there's so much more, um, practitioners and, um, you know, uh a community holding each other accountable. Was that a big question? I think that that had a lot of pieces, moving pieces to it.
1: I think you're an incredible interviewer because all your, like, we could spend 10 hours on, you know, each one of the questions you've asked. You're incredible. Um, so I just wanna like, because these are really huge questions and they're really, really important questions. And they're really interesting questions that don't aren't gonna get answered in a minute or two are um, questions I think about a lot as someone who like I said has been a bit reluctant like I was not like I know folks who are very confident in wanting to make a living and to contribute to uh, this modern witchcraft revival let's just call it some some folks have called it peak witch capitalism (laughs) which we could also interpret that way but you know it's it it is a we can say it's we can say that spirituality of all sorts uh astrology healing modalities um psychedelic drugs um trance work bdsm The list goes on are all kind of having there's more interest and there's there's they're having a moment Mm -hmm.
0: let's hope Um, they're having a century
1: (laughs) (laughs) i hope i and 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 i am also really grateful not just because i make my living in part because of this but i'm really grateful because i think about my 13 year old self Mm -hmm. and i think about what was available to me then and there was very little, you know, The, the I, I always say I would go to Barnes and & Noble and I'm gay, I'm queer. So like next to the LGBTQI section was the witch section. And I would just like hang out there, you know? Um, and it wasn't, and it was sparse. And it was from a cis, white, male, Eurocentric, predominantly perspective. And I think that what is happening now that is, incredibly exciting is that, one, you know, we see this evolution of witchcraft as being much more intersectional mm-hmm. than it was in the 90s or, or previously. Uh, a- as a white person, I've been really grateful to be privy to conversations around appropriation in a spiritual practice, uh, around doing my own work around everything from like ego work to what I'm calling myself to the basic components of what my practice is. You know, I've been like critic. There's a level now and a layer of critical thinking happening now in this discourse, which for the for the most part, has been brought to the forefront by witches who are Black, Brown, Indigenous, Native American, people of color, Latinx, Asian American, and also queer and trans witches that are bringing up these issues um, as never before. That as always, like this usually happens. I'm a, I'm a cis white person. I'm benefiting from their labor and their work. But I feel real. I feel so grateful um, to have that because that—that's not that just wasn't addressed as At much, all. you know. In in which, in a wheel of the year or whatever, which book? And it's been really great, um, and it's been really healing, and it's been um, like really underscores the fact that one, our spiritual practice is is to be our own. And is to be derived from. I I don't want to like I I'm always wary of being like I'm not a I'm a I always feel like I'm we're witches not cops you know like, but I do think that there's important healing for white people to do by like taking back like from withdrawing from the shiny object syndrome of like oh I'm gonna you know I I'm a this and I'm a that and I'm taking from this goddess from not my culture and I'm using these uh, ingredients that aren't from my culture and, and, and these things and really like looking at your own practice and, and if you have the privilege to know where you're from, um, general, from even just from a general perspective, digging into that and, and figuring that out along with evolving a practice, in my humble opinion, that is based on place. Like base, like I'm not from California, but I am here. Like part of so, witchcraft, as I've learned it, is about engaging in place and nature and and being in cycles and being in nature and being in seasons and being able to engage in that responsibly and respectfully. Um, so I think that I don't think I'm actually answering your question. I think I'm just sort of talking about what I've found really. Uh, remarkable is like there's this greater uh there are these bigger discussions happening that need to happen and they need to be dialogues and like as a white person i need to i'm talking a lot now but in general i'm listening and i'm reading um and i'm and then i'm doing the work internally uh as i evolve my spiritual practice um as well i don't really think that i i answered because I think you had something in there about like consumption and I don't know like <laughs> um, there was so many amazing other questions within within your I th-
0: like, I think the, the, the ultimate yeah. the the uh, ultimate arc of that was now that we are able to actually you know take have the privilege to even take ownership of saying things that we are that You know, I'm 39 as well, and I became a socialist when I was 16 because I happened to hang out with the older kids, and they're like, uh, you're what? What? You know, and I just, I got, like, the lesson, right? And, you know, and they fought with me for months as I'm, like, fighting for this thing, you know, so that I could just sort of, like, take my brain outside of, you know, Democratic capitalism is, of course, the correct way to do things. Everybody else is doing it wrong. Well, what do you value in society? Well, I love libraries and I love education. Like, uh, you know, and I think it's the same thing in, you know, in just even this year when I saw you at the Witches Confluence, like, you know, I was like, I'm at the Witch's Confluence and I am able to say that out loud to people and not fear for my life. And wow, right? Like, that... And I I just, I continually keep pushing into that moment of, like, you know, here's this first time in our recorded history where women are um, capable of earning their own money and um, making decisions in their relationships and digging deeper and honoring divine feminine and you know and just being able to even consider being honest in their own belief system and their own belief structure and it's just like how do you honor that but also hold space for you know what the collective is viewing and holding you accountable to being right like because it's like all of a sudden now that you're a witch you know you're just like and now, like now, society has its own like look and feel of it, and you know, and everyone's got their Instagram account, and you know, and it's it's so pop culture now. And it's like the sincerity of it, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, cap- I mean, like capitalism will definitely f <laughs> things up, right? Uh, there, there's that piece where, like, the way we are taught to engage in a thing is by consumption, right? Like, yeah. And, and, you know, and it's not, that's not a drag or, you know, like I do it as well, right? Because that's how we, that's one way we interact. It's a socially sanctioned way in capitalism to interact with the thing, right? But of course, ironically, a spiritual practice, in my humble opinion, requires no things, there's no you know like I don't really look I don't think I look like a witch my spiritual practice certainly does not look my spiritual practice is not instagrammable let's (laughs) put it that way you know like it's it's messy and dirty and like it's scribble scrabbles on paper and and burnt ashes and me crying or you know like it's very (laughs) (laughs) non-photogenic I'm very unphotogenic so there's that piece. The other thing I, I do want to say that popped up for me as you were speaking is like I still think being able to identify as a witch uh, is like a privilege because I come I come across many people who let me know that they can't be vocal mm. about this part of their life uh, to uh, either like where they live, they would be very they would be shunned. They're afraid they would lose their job. Um, you know, it's, it's still, a, it's still a marginalized identity, I would say. And then, uh, then the other piece that people will come to me with is like, there's the pain and this will happen. Uh, this, the common theme that I encounter is people who were raised very, very, Fundamentally religious in some kind of religion. That I'd oh, actually, like I'm I'm gonna call myself a witch, or I'm interested in witchcraft. I'm I'm I don't know that I'm you know Mormon or Muslim or Christian or, right. or Jewish or you know whatever. There's
0: no roles in there for me.
1: <laughs> they, they they face um they face a lot of pain. They face a lot of blame. They face a lot of shame, and they face a lot of shunning from their closest family. And these are things that I still encounter um, a lot with other people. Not, I was very lucky that like no one in my family has ever like specifically, um, you know,
0: told you you're a bad person.
1: Yeah, disapproved. But I know that it happens so much that I also think that um, I think that like one like one witch can't do everything like one, one in their public life and in a private life. Like if you're a, if you're, if you're, um, if you don't have, if you're not a public witch, let's just say, but people in your group, what, I mean, this is, listen, I'm a private person. So I also believe like whatever the hell you want to tell people or not, whatever you want to disclose so long as it doesn't hurt anybody. Right. Yeah is your mother loving business, right? Whether it's an abortion or you're a witch or you're trans or you're gay or you're, you know, like whatever, that's your business. Uh, that's like one of my main, you know, tenants. So one is like, we don't, you know, again, policing people and what they do and where they're at, like, isn't really my jam. So that's like the first thing. And also we have such strange expectations Of people uh, when everyone is just like a human doing their own like let's all pray that let's all I want every human is doing their own work and they're doing their own thing and it's not my place to see like a witch on the internet and if she's saying something I don't agree with because she says, I need to use a pebble instead of a feather or whatever, whatever. I just, it just doesn't matter. Like the whole point of witchcraft is, in my humble opinion, is to develop your own spiritual practice in a way that makes sense for you, in a way that is empowering for you. And it it is a way that models power with and collaboration and not power over. And we have to be really careful like I'm not I, like racism is not okay, transphobia is not okay, uh, misogyny is not okay. You know, violence in any way is not okay. So that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. But I am talking about this sort of like there's this one way to do this one thing. Well, like there's not. And Indigenous practices have been around globally. Like they, you know, like we're using the term witch, but you know, whether someone's in Brazil or Russia or Australia or you know. Wherever the indigenous, wherever in general folks lived, there was an indigenous land-based spiritual practice of some sort, you know, and so we all have access to that if we choose, and if we don't want to, that's fine too. So it's like, you know, I, I guess I feel like there's sort of this, this like pressure of folks, uh, you know, like pun intended like the witch has to wear many hats like but does she like can't you know like I don't know I don't know I mean I know what I feel accountable to and responsible to in my own life um and I've been shown that as a result of writing about this stuff and then and realizing where I made mistakes and where I was racist and where I was transphobic and you know where I was mm, not being inclusive like that's happened and I'm so grateful. I am so incredibly grateful for the emotional labor of other people uh, to do that so that I can really take a step back and 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 really check myself. And that's one of the things I'm committed to do within my own practice always. And also, like, we're all just human beings. And, and I don't want to agree with every thought you have, Crystal. Like <laughs> I don't want to agree with every sentence that comes out of your mouth. Like, I want to... I want to like love you and be with you and go towards the same like end goal, but we don't have to be exactly the same at all times.
0: Oh yeah. I've always thought it's like, um, I, I wasn't raised, uh, Christian and, um, I was raised in a, essentially a cult, um, that embraced, uh, all the different global religions as um, various prophets that have come at various different times, right? And um, I think that that has always given me this space of just like, everyone's kind of doing their own, like, everyone gets the opportunity to interpret their, you know, their experience in their own way, you know, the cultural differences, the, you know, it. it the only thing that has meaning is what is significant to you, right? Because that's the thing that, that moves you to get in the boat and go where you're going to go. And everyone's going to get in their own boat and they're all going to go wherever they're going to go. And it doesn't matter who's getting in whatever other boat, because your job is to get into yours, you know? And it's so interesting to kind of see where that is slightly loosening, like the sense of judgment. Um, I'm mentoring a young lady, Uh, she's 13 years old, and um, she's doing this capstone project about paganism and why it's not accepted. And I like literally was like, wait a minute, you chose me to be the guiding witch for this young 13 year old girl? I know! I got so insane, like, and let me just tell you, the future is so bright. To see this little girl who is tiny. I mean, she is like, she is a munchkin and she's so, she's so small, but her energy is so like grit and fearless. And she was just like, well, I read about the burning of witches and I just think that's ridiculous. And, you know, I mean, and she just like went after it. And she's not accepted at home. She's not accepted at school. And she's not, you know, she is on her own in the world. And yet, she so is committed to her uh, love of plants, her love of earth, and her connection to, I know, I know. I was crying like all the, I was just like, you are just pure delight, you know, because To see children know that it doesn't matter what other people think of them, to see that happen and to just know that the muscles that she will build out of not having any shame around it and not having to try to like, you know, minimize it in a corner and wait for it to be okay to maybe say something at some point in time. I mean, that is, that is huge, right? It's so transformative that, you know, they get, they get younger and younger and that there is this sense that, you know, it's more important to develop your own internal compass than to just, uh, just immediately sign on to, you know, uh, the GPS, that's taking you to hell. Um, You know, uh, and the other thing that I would like to, to jump into is the development of sensuality, right? Because that's the other thing, right? Like in being a witch and being wild and whatnot, and the stigma of it and how much shame is associated with understanding your own sense of pleasure and your own sense of desire and how that is like the foundation that everybody ignores, right? Everybody is ignoring and shaming pleasure. And then how are you supposed to even consider developing anything into a relationship or your own sense of identity or you know what you're supposed to do in the world if you have no idea what actually makes your body physically happy? What makes your spirit happy? So I just kind of wanted to to touch into that direction um, because uh, because it's just fascinating, right? Like what what have you done? What has opened up for you in terms of being a sensual person once you started to accept yourself through Tarot and you started to accept your uh, skill sets and your gifts and 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 how that is sort of compacted and maybe exploded and maybe redesigned everything tell me about it
1: yeah i mean that's such an amazing question and it's kind of one that i uh i don't really feel qualified to answer because i'm in a i'm in a my project basically uh this year it was supposed to start last year, and I suppose it did. Be, I did do some work around it last year because it was, last year was an empress year, mm. um, and it also was a hanged one year. So there was
0: the conflict.
1: There was some, yeah. I mean, they're always they're teacher cards, so they can work in tandem, and they taught me a lot. And I'm still unpacking it now. We're now I'm really like with now we're like quote unquote in an emperor like full year and the energy is much different. I'm sure you can feel it. And also it's so much about taking action and, you know, not to sound ableist taking action can literally just be like moving your body in a different way, remembering to breathe in a different way, like choosing to focus on pleasurable things, you know, all of these things. So I'm, I'm very interested in this question. Um, and I'm very interested in these ideas around gatekeepers of desire mm. and how we're taught so early in at least the United States of America, in my experience, I'll just keep it about me, you know, like we have these rules and like we have to be quiet in school and we can't move. And I mean, I went to public school, so, um, you know, that was how it kind of was all ordered. And, and I understand the rules and I understand the regulations, but just sort of like, I think a lot about how, like, no, I don't think a lot about it, but I, Uh, This just came up, like, how in some classes, like, some teachers wouldn't let you go pee. Like, you had to wait. So you're, like, sitting for, like, 30 minutes and you have to pee, like, and you're not allowed to, like, leave. Uh, And then my friend who's a therapist told me that if you're – because I I used to hold my pee and I didn't realize it, and I think it was because, like, I had sort of had this, like, well, I I have to finish this email and then I'll go pee or whatever – She's like, that's a sign of like trauma. Like if you're like, if you're like regulating your physical body so much, I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Neither here nor there. Uh, It doesn't really tie in. But I think a lot about how the basics of desire also have to come up through how they dovetail with intuition and how they dovetail with consensual culture. And how they dovetail with boundaries. And how all of that can lead us to a very pleasurable state of empowerment. Because in my opinion, desire is just like wanting something. Like, I want water, so I'm going to drink it. Right? Yeah. Obviously, it gets bigger and bigger and, you know there's, there's, uh, it's, it's not always that basic and that simple. Um, but I think about how we've really been taught to deny the little basics, um, and how that kind of goes into consent culture and how that kind of goes into boundaries and intuition is, is I'll start with the intuition piece. So much of our intuitive gift or development or awareness or aspect of self, which we all have, is born out of going towards what we want to go towards. Oh, I want to go towards that bush. It's so pretty. I want to smell that flower for a minute. That's a desire. And then we have the reception of it in our body. And a lot of times our intuition also takes place in our body, whether it's our gut or our heart or our third eye or, you know. So a friend of mine is like, we in my class I teach, um, you know, I, I ask people to like, where does intuition show up for you and like what I love this because one of the students was like like it, it was so specific it was like she's like it shows up on the tops of my thighs you know like it's just <laughs> this very specific like intuitive embodiment you right. know yeah there's that with our physical sensations and, and allowing it and not placing judgment on it and just noticing like what's happening right Uh, And we're taught so much to regulate, you know, we're taught so, and then, so we're taught to ignore, we're taught to ignore our gut when it tells us, oh, I don't really like Aunt Betty's boyfriend or whatever. Uh, And then, and then comes the consensual piece where like, we have to ask for what we need and we have to say what we need and say what we want, obviously within reason and not harming anybody else. And there's so much vulnerability in that. And we've been taught so much to not do that. Um, and so then that in itself almost becomes like a site of repression and a site of sort of emotional, intuitive violence in a way, uh, when there's repression and there's withdrawal, uh, because there's fear, there's fear, there's fear of taking space, there's fear of being rejected, there's fear of being shunned, there's, there's fear. And
0: the shame of, of, you know,
1: uh, yeah, shame, all of it, right? All of the shame. And then we have the boundary work where, like, we're, I always say, like, well, I don't always say this, but I'm saying it now. <laughs> boundary work begins with ourself in a lot of ways. It begins with our desire. And then discipline in a generative way, not discipline in a punishing way. So, like, I i have an I, I have a thread I want to follow. That's a desire. Well, then I need to be, like, I can't overstep my boundaries with myself. The boundary being, okay, well, I really have a desire to learn the guitar. So, what does that look like? Okay, I'm gonna, you know, buy a secondhand guitar and pray. what all of that looks like. Um, you know, but if I ignore that, I begin to break trust with myself, and I begin to break trust with my intuition because, like, it will happen. And it, this goes back. To, I love it when like those bits peppered in of the previous things we we're talking about how you were saying like, oh no, that didn't happen. Like the intuitive piece, like, oh no, you know, like uh, I can't talk. I can't tell this person I can't come over to their house or whatever. You know, those sorts of things, it gets, it ends up like getting cut off. We end up losing trust with ourselves. And we create a very non-consensual culture, you know, where like anything that Crystal tells me about her needs That are within reason and that, you know, like, we're like, we're being programmed to reject,
0: Mm. you know? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, also, what really, I think, is the devastation is that, you know, you stop asking what you want or what you're desiring, right? Because you continually are rejecting it for shame or for fear or whatnot, and so then you 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 just become in this habit of, you know, well, I don't know. I have no idea what I want. I don't know what feels good to me. I don't know even how to communicate that. And, and so they're just like, it, it's just this blank space. And I think really kind of the discovery that I've had in, you know, having these conversations is really in... You know, I mean, of course, I relate more to the divine feminine and how how women um, have so much trouble saying no to things or, you know, saying yes to things even, you know, to to feel confident about embracing their needs and their wants and their desires. But it's really also opened my eyes up to the plight of men who have never really had any space for developing their own sense of sensuality or even been asked like what do you do what is sensual to you you know because they get you know they're 14 years old and they get handed a porn and you know and they're automatically thrust into go have sex right and and just not really even the set like and so when you see men so often like they might even oh sure
1: I feel like you're, I just want to specify, I feel like you're talking about like cis, heterosexual, because like for me as a queer person and knowing so many queer men and queer women and non-binary folks, you know, and, and trans folks, like, uh, like mm, queer sex is a very liberatory site. Uh, It's a site where we, or at least I'll just speak for myself. It's a site where I can access pleasure in a really fun, playful way. So I just want to reiterate, are you specifically sort of talking about, like, heteronormative, heteronormative gender roles?
0: I think that, you know, I mean, heteronormative gender roles certainly are, I think that that is the the norm in terms of, you know, saying even before, like, how your family, before they know, like, who you are, what you are, they, they give you this, you know, instead of being like, Discover what you like about yourself, and then after a while, you will eventually be able to be comfortable with discussing what your needs are, what your pleasure is, with someone that you might want to be intimate with, right? And um, in the experience that I've had, even, you know, with having friends who, you know, I've had a lot of, like, friends who, you know, gay men, you know, and... Like, them having that conversation about, you know, um, being communicative about what their, like, emotional needs are, right? Um, It's just, like, there's just not a lot of space that is held for, you know, the divine masculine and developing, you know, the emotional or sensual needs of a man. Like, it's just even just the, the... the typical thought of it is, you know, um, oh, well they, they're just always, you know, the grinder vibe, but you know, there's so much more to that. Right. And so I'm just, I'm really interested in, you know, how do we cultivate like a safe space for men to explore, like what that, that sensual muscle is, you know, because I think, you know, if we're actually going to, like, d- d- you know, take down the patriarchy, it's by giving men the opportunity to understand what they think is beautiful about themselves, right? To, like, displace the need for, like, power and control. And because all of those things are born out of the shame and isolation and insecurity that they feel because they don't have any sense of. The well of um, joy and, and personal empowerment that comes from understanding who you are as a pleasure being and not judging it, you know?:
1: And you just named all, all of that. The shame is so real. and I, the, you know the thing again that pops up for me is this uh, this idea of an exchange and an idea of a consensual dialogue. Which also brings me back to witchcraft, (laughs) because when a part, you know, a part of my practice, like when I was taught and learning, and it was really, um, it was was a priority to make sure that our practice is an exchange Mm. with spirit or whatever element or whatever deity, which always included a dialogue Mm. it always included gratitude it always included an offering I mean it still does that this was like I'm thinking about you know baby baby witch me it always and and sometimes it also included um a reinterpretation of the energy or the messages that were given it also required and always requires a level of like there's this very classic pagan saying with perfect love and perfect trust. Mm. It requires this level, because before you go into the ritual, it ha- you have to be in alignment. You're, you know, you have to be trusting of yourself, of the universe, of the elements, of the deities, and with if you're doing it in group, it, you know, with group, and perfect love, which to me just means, like, unconditional source love, right? And I think about that, too. Like, those are these other I think a lot about the ingredients needed right like curiosity questioning space time slowness trust and we don't have, always have that available to us like in climate crisis ridden late stage capitalism these components uh you know um sovereignty like empowerment like being able to make decisions from a, pla- a baseline place of security you know not security like financial but like like you said crystal i know what i want like i love the way that lemons smell or i want to, i like taking a hot shower before making out or whatever you know whatever right. the thing whatever your pleasure is you know i like a lot loud music i like quiet music like whatever it doesn't matter what it is it's that you know what it is and you can speak it um and you know you can you can say your needs um and and know that there will be trust, love, engagement, respect, honoring, exchange, right? Like someone else saying, "Oh, well, I don't like loud music." You know, can can how do we compromise? Can you put headphones on or whatever, you right. know, like whatever. But
0: then know? it's so- a real relationship though. When you have actual communication and people are being um honest and forthright, right? Because I mean, right. to me, the thing that makes me so just just gives me anxiety is just is the, is the recognizing that because we're so out of alignment with what we actually want, then you know we pick these external things like oh I want this thing because I think the world will be impressed by it, or it's a shiny object, or it's a person, and I think that. You know, and so we go after them and try and show them like a fake thing because they we think that they will want it, and then and there's just all these false relationships that are happening because no one has done any kind of work around like what we actually want, and so we're chasing all of these inauthentic things and all these inauthentic experiences, and then it creates even more scarcity and dilemma and confusion and blah 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 blah. I just like. I just i just want it to stop i want it, i want us all to just be like stop
1: i know and like you know as just... you're speaking the thing that we didn't even talk about is like how trauma factors into all of that and how um you know various forms of of trauma and also sexual trauma, mm. trauma that has been enacted on the body but also trauma is a nervous system uh somatic experience right uh and so like you know trauma survivors there's like that other There's that other level and that other layer of safety, uh, you know, and, and different physical needs happening as well. So it's like, yeah, I mean, I think that part of our work now is examining all of the things you brought up and also really seriously considering what relationships of mutual care and respect look like and feel like and how we model those while having compassion for self, compassion for others, resilience, uh, because it takes a lot of resilience, I think, to um, be in these kinds of dialogues and situations and also cultivate and foster our own pleasure, our own desires, uh, deprogramming from that shame. You know, however that looks for you. You know, I think I think it's like all of these things are just crucial as we need to step into a space of discomfort on so many levels uh, on our planet that, like a lot of us, myself included, are are needing to really like understand. That we're going to have to change things very fundamentally, very quickly, so that if we want to have the collective continue, uh, so, so that it will, um, you know, the, these are all like, these are very necessary skills uh, and work that, that we have to all be doing now uh, because of the state of the world.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like 4,000 years of residue, you know. Yeah, know. <laughs> it's just like, like, no making, big deal.
1: It's not funny, but I was like making a joke. I was like, humans like really needed to have gotten it together about 5,000 years ago. But, you know, like it's, it's like we are unraveling. There's so much that we're unraveling on on personal levels and, and greater. Uh, and I think the only thing I really do know is that we need each other we need one another, you know, absolutely. um, we, we can't function on our own. Um, we need love and we need compassion and we need one another in order to do all of this work. It's relational, right?
0: Right. Absolutely. I mean, I, as I am reminded, you, you reminded me that it's like, it is the emperor year and it's just like this, like and the vibe is like, get your shit together. It's happening. Like, this is happening. Everybody get on the fucking board. Like, if you said you were going to do something, you better do it now. And, it, like, it feels super intense. Like, I just keep telling everybody. I was like, there's no more time. There is just no more time for you to, like, figure it out or, you know, like, do the run-through. You just, like, you have to get, like, your ass in the pan and start frying. And, but it's interesting that... It comes in this emperor form, you know, because always you're just like, oh, the fucking emperor, you know, stupid patriarchy, whatever. But because I'm just so adamant about um, really holding space for, like, the divine masculine to come through, because I just, like, I don't, because... The, I, I think it's the only way, you know, it's like it's the way through, like you can't go around it or try and like trick it or, you know, try and chop its head off because it'll fucking come at you, you know, because that's what it's expecting is this like, you know, fear based mentality that we're all out to get them. But it's it's not that we're, it's 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 transformational in your own joy, like l- giving you space to recognize that it's your joy that we want to see and that joy is not based in like the stuff right it's based in your purpose right
1: and and who you are like you are speaking about folks putting like their masks on and you know trying to create and construct a persona that they think is either acceptable out of fear or out of like wanting love and approval you know like and and I and that's really beautiful. I think it's like really beautiful to name like I want love and I want to be approved. Like will you give it to me? Like I need my inner child needs that. But, totally. But the emperor like for me the there's a couple things that you said that I just wanted to touch upon. And one is like the whole thing of getting your shit together where I think that um last year I think a lot of us were some of us, I'll just say, like folks I talk to, I, I I tend to get messages from lots of people. I don't mean like psychic messages. I just mean people emailing me or clients right. or things.
0: Right. classes
1: I'm teaching and things, right? Right. You're so, in
0: the world. You are a known a, person.
1: And a theme that came up for a lot of people last year was really of clearing and of like emotional healing or things coming up to the surface that either we had thought we had healed um, and really getting at the root uh, of that in being in the discomfort in order to dissolve it in a way that will – it was a lot of uh, internal work, let's put it that way, right? So maybe – and a lot of things that happened were things getting delayed, maybe things taking – like a snail pace, like – having a lot of space and rest or having a lot of space to either deal with things, not working out the way you wanted them to, or not on like the timeline you wanted them to, or also needing to rest, whether it was through grief or mourning or physical ailment or just being tired. And then having a lot of things come up that we had to deal with. Uh, That was like a lot of themes that were kind of happening that I have noticed. I think that part of this year is like uh, from a spiritual level about developing our energetic boundaries Mm. so much because the emperor can be like, you were talking about the divine masculine, the emperor can be about protecting, Mm. not in a patrolling way, like not in a like get off my land (laughs) way, but in a like, I love this thing and I care for this thing. So I'm going to care and protect it like the earth or, Mm. you know, a relationship. Like I love you. So I want to do this work. How can we, how can we keep this sacred? You know, what are the ingredients there? Right. Mm. I think there's that level to the emperor. And the other thing I've been speaking about with the emperor is um, because when I would going back to creativity, our creativity, that spark needs to be protected so that, we can do more of it or so we can express ourselves, you know, and then there's this generative action-based element of the emperor. And what I say to that is like learning by doing like the, the emperor also can correlate with like an inventor or an architect, um, like a, like a kind of big maker viewpoint so that they can be like, okay, we're going to try this. And it, and, and when you're building, When an architect is making a blueprint, things change when they're building the building. Like, they're not like, it needs to be this. You know, if you got to change a door, you got to change a door and redo the plans. So, I also think about like this whole concept that I think a lot about in the tarot that shows up predominantly in the knights or in cards where there's some sort of like movement um, or like projective aspect, which the emperor has that quality um it's so it's like learning by doing like I have to try this thing I have to try it I have to try boxing to see if I like it I have to try playing the guitar to see if I want to do this trying it and then changing course as needed learning from the mistake or the experience or the the taking of action and and also like there's an element of wisdom within the archetype so like getting to the place where we aren't coming from an egoic place Mm. where we're like uh, that, that solid knowing you were talking about crystal. Like, I know I need this. I know I need this. I know these are what my desires are. I need to be seen. I need to be heard or whatever. And then make like that, like fusing that spark and that intention with the action so that we aren't just like coming from a place of defensiveness or, or ego. I'm always asking myself, like, is this an ego response? Like, what's the best and highest? Like, how do I... Re- so, like, the flip side, I think, of, like, spiritual stuff and ego stuff is, like, having a healthy ego. When do you stick up for yourself? Like, what or when do you just, like, leave it? Like, you know, all these kinds of things, like choosing your battles, uh, trying to figure out nonviolent communication, uh, and being vulnerable enough with other pe- people to see if they're willing to do the work and if they're not willing to do the work, if they're not willing to even try, yeah, we, we do have to move on, you know? But, like, being willing to be vulnerable enough to engage in a different way um, than we've previously kind of been doing. Like, all of these kinds of things are, are, I believe, like, happening um, happening with this archetype and more, but I won't bore you with more. I've <laughs> all the class and I, don't, I don't need to. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's exciting um, because, like, The emperor is a four, which is stabilizing energy. It's tabletop energy, right? It like takes the ideas, all the ideas you've been having, and is like, okay, it's going to live in this structure. So creative people who need structure, uh, discipline, the protection of their intellectual copyright, contracts. No, I'm serious. Like, this no, all, I know. This is all
0: like, sexy stuff. Like, oh, know?
1: yes. But, you know, doing, creating the structures that we need in order to do our best work and, and, and getting really real with ourselves and our ego and whatever our process is so that we can make the best informed decisions so we can take the most aligned actions in service of ourselves and the collective.
0: Um, amen. Yes. My Scorpio moon is, is actually very happy about like an emperor year. It's like, oh yes. Contracts. Are you a Scorpio moon as well?
1: No, I just, I love that you love it. No, no. I'm, I have a joke that I'm like surrounded by Scorpios cause I have a lot of Scorpios in my life. So no, I don't have any, I don't, <laughs> I don't really know my chart. I'm not super into Astro, but I don't have a lot of Scorpio in my chart, but I have a lot of Scorpios like in my sphere. Orbiting. So. Yes. I love, I love Scorpios. I love um, the energy of the
0: Scorpion. It's, it's oh, a fave. I do too. I always have. I'm like, yeah, the get shit done people, though the people who don't mind, I love that. And
1: they glow in the
0: dark. Yeah, they glow in the dark. Um, and they'll tell you what they really think, you know, and they will okay. hold you accountable for your, you know, actions. And, uh, I love that. I find it so, you know, like it's important, you know, to to just like have that intense authenticity and just be like, we've got a plan, you know, and I guess it is nerdy. I'm very contractual. I'm like, yeah, I want to write it all down. And I want to say like, this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, inner Montessori as well.
1: I mean, I think that's, but I think contracts can be a metaphor for consensual a consensual relationship because i think about contracts we have all the time and how the silent contracts which are toxic expectations Mm -hmm. which are you know not communicating what we really need and what we really want which is like comes up as like emotional manipulation Mm -hmm. And like assumption, and then it comes, then there's like theft, and I mean there's it can really lead, it's a slippery slope, right? But if you start it, but that's this other thing with vulnerability, where it's like if you started with a contract of saying, like, okay, Crystal, I really need this, I'm allergic to this, like my my non-negotiables are these three things. What do you think about that? When we're entering into any kind of important. Long term relationship, it's imperative, but we aren't taught to do that. And it goes back to the whole thing about, you know, vulnerability and shame and being afraid and sticking up for our needs and, you know, all of these kinds of things. But like, I actually think like contracts are really important because they show that you care. If I take time to sit down with you and be like, like, even when I am giving client readings now, one thing that I say that I didn't say that I'm like, why didn't I ever say this? Is, is there anything like you don't want me to talk about? Is there anything you, you know, are not comfortable with me discussing? Like, is there anything that's gonna upset you? Mm. Like, let's do that, you know? Like, I was like, wait, why didn't I, like, what? I'm a, yeah, I mean, I do a lot of other things around like boundaries and consensuality and things like that, but like, just that basic thing. If I just asked you, like, is there anything? that is gonna upset you or is there anything that like is that is a deal breaker for you or that to me is showing of care like i care for you and i value you and i you know like i'm seeing you uh or i want to see you help me see you you know uh well
0: and you know why subscribe to an angry god you know what i mean and it's just like if there's something that is going to like if i'm Asking for your advice, you know, I probably have some very specific things and then there's some stuff that I'm, you know, if I know that I'm just like, I'm not ready to go there, you know, then it's respecting your time too, right? Because you don't feel good if like you're giving them a reading and all of a sudden they're like, (laughs) you know, again, it just, it always comes back to um, clarity, about like who you are what you need and being willing to risk saying it you know and um you know because it's like maybe that's not the person for you because they don't like what you have to offer and you don't have to spend a lot of time being all upset about it because like they don't like what I have to offer I can't manipulate them into you know it's not trying to be You know, well, maybe if I said this or I did that or whatever, you know, I I think that, you know, the, the, the coming phases are about getting really clear on what your present tense is, you know, and it, it seems, um, it seems painful that we have to do it in, in such like a PTSD state of the world and that it like the, the physical world is in so much trauma that it absolutely is like, whoa, I guess I'm here in this state. Um, but I mean, if if that is the essential way to get people to recognize um, that they live here and now as opposed to you know, uh, the past or the future or the, you know, all of the other things, right? Um, that was a tangent, a complete tangent, sorry. Um, I honestly could talk with you about this for forever, but, uh, you probably have stuff to do, uh, on your day. Um, why don't you quickly give us an update on all of the many things that, Uh, modern women is working on your book, maybe some lessons of like, I just published the actual book. (laughs) Lord have mercy. Don't ever do this. You know, um, Uh, what, uh, what are the parting gifts of what you are working on and what you hope for yourself now? What's the next phase of you?
1: Oh, wow. Um, Well, yeah, I have a, I will have a book coming out in the autumn that uh, I hope will be helpful and useful for people. It's all about working with the phases of the moon um, and lunar magic and, and all that entails. I am going to just be continuing to create work in the world and exploring that and taking time, like I said, to make for me and not for anyone else's eyes and that's pretty much it I'll still be doing what I've been doing I'll be teaching and writing and probably talking a lot about my book so there's you know I'm gonna have to be talking about that and and that's pretty much it you know just trying to hang out with those I love and my family and uh also center and prioritize pleasure
0: Yes. Um what would you say would be the most outlandish dream that you could set for yourself that you would have never imagined but that somehow now it's starting to be a precipice that is a 3-year, 5-year, 10-year thing.
1: I think it's a dream that I have right now is very much a dream for collective healing. Mm. Like really I really hope that collectively we can we can prioritize healing we can become more trauma informed we can we can help one another you know because like like we have like there's no you know so I, I really do hope that within our personal, relationships and then in our different spheres uh, we can begin to shift towards a different paradigm and I think we're doing it I think we're like in process like re-paradigming um I don't think it's a three to five year plan I think it's at least one lifetime plan unfortunately but that's what I really that's what I really hope for. And, you know, within that, selfishly, I hope that the work that I'm doing, uh, in my own personal life can also help me heal more as well. Uh, you know, those are, those are kind of my collective and personal wishes for everybody.
0: Well, I can't think of anything better to end on.